0: She talked about you.
1: Did she cry? She didn't like leaving you behind. I reckon you're related to us. Yeah. All Māoris are related to us. People saw you today.
2: They're boy. Things are gonna change around here. I'm not staying. Where do you think you're gonna go?
1: What are you doing here? Go inside, bro. right? I've
2: got that feeling. just wanna jump off.
0: This is the N-to-Z of Film, with Andy and Rajiv.
2: Well, welcome back everyone to the N-to-Z of Film. This is season four episode, oh gosh, is this five Rajiv? This is episode five, isn't four. it? Four. Four? Uh. Oh, I think this is five. <laughs> yes. Oh, Wow. Episode 5, The Strength of Water. I am your co-host, Andy James. And
0: I'm your other co-host, Rajiv Mishra.
2: And today we have a very special guest, the Sunday Star Times film reviewer, Sarah Watt. Hello, Sarah. Kia ora.
0: Good evening, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Much appreciated.
1: Oh, m- oh. My pleasure.
2: And good morning, Sarah, because <laughs> <laughs> it's very early Sunday morning for me. The joys of eh.
1: <laughs> and with snow, do you have snow at the moment too?
2: Oh man, we did have snow. It's we've uh,
0: just been suffering the beast
2: from the east. And he lives in, um, in Guernsey. Guernsey,
0: so the other side, of, like literally, I think, like on the the literal other side of the world, right? Like from New yeah, Zealand, which is pretty amazing. much.
2: I love that. Pretty much, it's we've had actual snow, which has not it's not previously snowed here since I think two thousand and thirteen. So
0: just just right. before two thousand and thirteen. Wow. Okay. Right. Nice, because you, you, sorry, this is a tangent. You always talk about how everyone on your island is always talking about how it's going to snow, and it never snows, and then it snowed. Well, that's great. <laughs> yep, finally, the prophecy came true. Um, so firstly, just just before we start talking about the film, uh, I think we we'll would just mention about where we saw these. So we had some issues with watching it. Uh, so when you get these sort of smaller New Zealand films, we do have listeners from overseas. We get a lot of listeners from the States and whatnot. I imagine it's going to be quite difficult for those people to find this film. Uh, I, I rented it from a local video store. Um, you guys, I don't know where you saw it, Sarah, but it's it's available on the NZ On Demand website.
1: Yes, that's where I watched it on demand on NZ On. Is NZ On NZ Film or NZ On Screen? It used to be called, didn't it? So yes,
0: uh, NZ On Screen still exists, which is a really great resource. But NZ the NZ On Film is like the Film Commission's on demand right service, yep. which is cool. Um, yes. And that's where Andrew saw it, but there were some weird issues and region-blocking problems, which is always a problem. Because this movie was supposed to be available in England, right? But you were locked out of it for some reason. Yeah,
2: the only place I could find the strength of water was on the New Zealand Film Commission on Demand website. Right. Where I have previously watched films, previously watched films that we've discussed in this very season um, and rented and had no problems. There is sometimes... Um, in the list of films that are available in New Zealand and the UK, there are some films that do say that they're not available. Mm. And this is, I think, due to the weird nature of the Channel Islands, Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, where they're sort of, but not really, part of the UK. Yeah. Mm. There seemed to be some sort of problem with renting the film, and this was down to, we think, security setting changes or something on the New Zealand Film Commission on Demand website. Yeah.
1: But when you weigh it up with all the opportunities for money laundering that Guernsey and the other channel islands <laughs> <No>. provide. <laughs>
2: <you know. laughs> no, no, not at all. We have very strict I was wondering,
0: guidelines. Like, I always wonder like how how this lines up with the ability of this is a tangent, but I was we always talk about it, because it's fascinating to me. When films were like in the eighties and nineties and beforehand, would this just never been available in England or overseas? You'd have to seek it out on VHS or DVD. And is there a chance mm. that it just wouldn't exist in England? And is it better now that it's streaming, or is it worse because it's streaming but region block? Like, it's like what what is access to movies now? Is it better or worse? I don't. Sometimes I think it's worse. <laughs> we'll see how it goes.
2: Well, I I don't know. I I think I, I would say it was it would be better because I mean I've I lived in the UK before. The you know preponderance of streaming. And you never and found New Zealand films, eh? We, no, it was it was difficult, especially um, somewhere like Guernsey, which isn't London. It's not a huge mm. central
1: hub of Cosm- anything. Yeah. So metropolitan. Yeah, so you're not going to.
2: Yeah, exactly. So your local video shop isn't necessarily going to have these, no. uh, especially uh, smaller sort of uh, independent films from the literal other side of the world. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just you might luck out. Well, yeah, because I mean, I I rented this from the local video store, but I was thinking about like how videos are just like video stores are disappearing. I mean, that was always going to be a problem. I guess that was never really an issue with small films. Small films just don't exist overseas, do they? Like a small like a small British film, I'm not going to find here either, am I? It's going to be well difficult. unless you went Probably to illicit
1: not. means online. I mean, surely we're living in a world where anything is possible for some sort of either price or criminal activity, isn't it? Surely. <laughs> But I mean I'm not, and I'm so I'm totally not advocating that. I have been a staunch um opponent. Um but you know things are things tend to be available but you're right I think this probably isn't the sort of thing that anybody bothered to sit in a cinema with a you know a video camera <laughs> yeah. and do a dodgy sort of video that they were then going to upload online. Um It's funny it's funny though there like there was a
0: this is a weird tangent but there is a film I worked on last year New Zealand made for television film that I found uh, two copies of on YouTube uploaded by some German person. I was like, "How do they find this New Zealand made for television yeah. crime film, and why do they put it up online?" It's so strange yes. what, what criminals do. I have no idea. I don't understand it. All right, should I should I do the synopsis, Andrew? Should I? Yes, lead us into the strength of order with the synopsis, okay. please. Uh, film for two thousand nine. Okay. <clears throat> Ten-year-old uh, twins Kimmy and Melody live happily in an isolated Maori community until an enigmatic stranger Tai arrives, precipitating an accident which forces the twins apart. While others punish Tai, Kimmy acts out his heartbreaking loneliness in, in destructive, angry ways, while looking after the Melody that only he can see. It's quite a. Mm. That's on the NZ on Screen website. Uh, NZ on Demand website. It's quite um. They didn't use the word ghost. Quite I was hoping they would worst. use the word ghost.
1: A ghost. I, but I guess they wouldn't because um, it's a, because it's a spoiler, isn't it? Can I can I tell you how I how, can I tell you how this worked for me? Right, so the film starts, cute young mouldy kids running around. I'll be really honest with you up front, I'm getting a sense of déjà vu, even though technically this is a 2009 film, and probably what I'm déjà vuing is films that have come out subsequently. But nonetheless, and then I'm thinking, oh. I get it. Yeah, difficult, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, and we're going to just leap straight into, I think it was the 21st minute of it. And all of a sudden, the most exciting moment for me is when Ty, the young outsider, um, and Melody are being chased by that, um, that, that awful dog. And they have to mm. leap into the abandoned fridge and suddenly the latch goes down and I'm like oh my goodness, suddenly this film has gone up several notches and I then started imagining that it was going to be like Room or something and that the whole film was going to be kind of, you know, them in the fridge and the community madly trying to find them and it would be a race against time and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, this film is looking up. I've actually written. Um, Then, bam, 20 minutes in, a kind of genius move of horrific simplicity, I called it. And, And then... Oh, you can carry on with the next bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. Th- that's interesting that you say that because I got the
0: feeling from the first 20-odd minutes before that moment, which is the catalyst of the story, essentially, uh, that it mm. did feel like a lot of things that I watched in the 90s yes. and uh, at film school where I was like... Uh, someone, a, a, a filmmaker friend of mine referred to as oh, uh, you know, uh, people pull out a log and then something really bad happens and then a film finishes. <laughs> like, yeah. And it seemed like, and and Sam Neill's Cinema of Our Knees sort of reinforced yes. that idea of this is what New Zealand cinema is like, something, and I was like, oh, the bad thing happened, now the film will end. Oh no, there's more. <laughs> there's, there's, there's more yeah, stuff happening, right. which is great. Which is great. But, but I mean, that being said, that's, um, it's kind of overtly critical. I have, a few, I have, I have quite a few issues with this film. I didn't think I 100% liked it, but uh, I still think it's pretty good. Um but it's beautiful, like that that shot of the jellyfish opening. I was down. I was like, "This is cool," because I didn't know mm. what it was really. Um, I'd spent a I'd spent a few months at the film commission organizing their catalogue of films last year. as one of my various jobs I did. And part of my job is to spot check lots of feature films, and one of them I did was this. And I remember spot checking it through, and I was like, "Oh, chickens and people in a farm, and oh, I think someone died." So I didn't actually know it was going to happen. So uh, I'd never seen the beginning when I opened on that beautiful, the beautiful long shots of the jellyfish. I was like, "Oh, I wonder what this film is really about." Like, is Um, it about? water? it's
1: it's about water. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Well, no, okay, I get it. Yeah.
2: How strong it can be. (laughs) Yes. How strong Um, the water? Yeah, I was actually uh, on that opening shot. um, I think because once I had managed to finally get to access the film and watch it on my laptop, I was a little bit, um, I think, discombobulated, because it almost looked like it opened up on a, a strange shot of... It almost looked like farmland to me and then the jellyfish going through it and I was like
1: ah
2: right the what are the jellyfish doing on land they don't do that
1: oh, well at least it piqued you, then- your interest <laughs> which is good
2: yeah and I was like oh this is this is strange and interesting I was like oh no it's just, actually just a very nice shot of jellyfish and like, that's that's fine as well but very interesting and enigmatic shot to to
1: open t- the film, on. Yeah, I, th- I mean, look, uh, uh, you've you've gone straight in, um, Radiv, with how beautiful the film is. And I absolutely agree. And I and I did um, after I'd watched it, I did read a review that uh, or an interview actually with the filmmakers that talked about the the scenery being one of the characters, which I think is always an issue for New Zealand films. Not always a bad issue, actually. Sometimes it, it can really help or save the films. So there's no question. It is beautifully photographed, and yeah. the scenery, despite the fact that I don't think there was a glimmer of sunshine or anything at all resembling um, hope or optimism, to be honest, um, it, yeah, it's, it is beautiful, and it is lush. And um, But I felt like I've seen this sort of thing before. And then you've got a couple of kids w- walking up a, a, a dirt road, and then a stranger comes to town, and... and and as you said, you know, then you know that something's going to go wrong, which is fine. <laughs> something's got to go wrong. That's drama, isn't it? You know, um, just,
0: a stranger comes to town. I guess is a trope of many cinema cinemas around yes. the world, but but specifically New Zealand. Like our first film, at, this is real nerdy, sorry, but like our first film that went to Cannes was The Scarecrow, right? And that's all about a stranger coming to town. And I feel mm. like ever since that point, that has been a trope that has sort of permeated through a lot of New Zealand cinema, which which. It can be good or bad. Like the scene the scenery thing is another thing. I'm like, you know, it is good or bad. Like I think we rely a lot on scenery. Is, mm. is it bad? I'm not
1: sure if that's a bad thing.
0: It could be a bad thing. Oh look, I mean, we've got some nice,
2: we've got some nice looking places.
1: Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do exactly? But I, I have to say yes. that I, I am more sort of compelled by a good narrative, and so my, my. Um, Oh, I don't want to leap in and say criticisms, necessarily, no, but, but thinking, all right, I've started, so I'll finish. So, yeah, my, my criticisms, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose, are more around whether the narrative is fresh and interesting and, and new and where I would give this credit. And actually, what we haven't spoken about is the fact that, obviously, this is part of your Wanda Wahine season um, and that the film was directed by um, Armagan Ballantyne, um, mm. ostensibly a Pakeha New Zealander and I think probably more crucially written, the screenplay written by Grace Brier who is, is, is far better known in this country um, than the director and has, has written plays and screenplays and all mm. sorts and most most recently Waru as, as you gentlemen talk right. about in the future. Um, so really it comes back to me as the, what's the narrative going to do and is the narrative true and authentic? And on those grounds I think her truth is wonderful. Personally, I think she's. Pay- I think she has drawn characters who feel real. Um, I'm not talking about the acting so much, but certainly I think the characterization and I think the handling of the characters and the um, oh, all of the dramatic energy and all of the angst that they go through, and we can get into that in greater detail. But I think all of that rings true, and that's great.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, Briar Grace Smith is kind of a. A sort of a treasure I guess she's been around for a long time and making yeah. uh, lots of interesting stories I've got I've got some of her things out here I was thinking oh yeah I remember really loving these films uh, she did this TV film called Fish Skin Suit Andy do you remember that have you seen that zero? This star Jacob Rajan is a Elvis impersonator that comes out of the sea it's great it's obviously got a thing mm-hmm. with the sea <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, episodes of Mataku that New Zealand Maori version of like the Twilight Zone hosted by Tim Morrison was pretty cool back in the early 2000s. How long ago was
1: that? Oh, early I was in early Britain 2000s. then, you see. I missed that. Right, mm. yes.
0: Yeah, so that was a TV series we did, which was great. Uh, she wrote the Billy T um, biopic called Billy. I did see
1: that, and that was terrific.
0: Yeah, that was really good. And she wrote um, This is Picky, which I still haven't seen, but that, I understand that was a very um, a hit show on Māori TV, uh, which also co-starred Tim Morrison. It was uh, aimed at a younger uh, Māori audience, uh, mm. which I heard many uh, produced by Cliff Curtis, who was the star mm. of our previous season. Um, and I have a, per- a slight personal connection to her in the fact that I, I was the assistant editor on a feature film called Fresh Meat from two thousand twelve. Mm. It was a, a B grade horror film starring Tim Morrison. Uh, and she'd which, written
1: that, yeah. Yeah,
0: which I was, and I remember when, like yeah. when I got the script and I was like, Brigh-Grace Smith, you know, because I was like, she's theatre and serious and Marvel yeah. stories, and I was like, and she wrote this B grade horror film. <laughs> so I remember I'm um, talking to her, and she's talking about uh, she she loves horror films, you know. Like, so that was uh, really I interesting. I think
1: she's. <laughs> yeah, I think she's, I mean, I was going to say, I think she's really talented, which sounds preposterous, because of course she is. But I really like the fact that she can work across several different genres. And so she isn't just a Maori storyteller. Not that there would be anything wrong in that, because we need more Maori sto- storytellers, if anything. But the fact is, you know, she's she's proven her chops across um, a variety of genres and, and uh Types of um, visual medium, hasn't she? So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, she's she's primarily. Uh, I'm I'm less well versed in this, but I think she's also quite heavily influential in, in theatre yes, circles. Yes,
1: she's 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 yeah, she's, yeah. yeah totally yeah. a playwright. I think first and foremost she was a playwright. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Sorry, Andrew, we just hogged that. Did you have something to say about Barbara Grace Smith? No, no, no. Just um, that there
2: is almost, I think, with like talking uh, about her as a playwright, you could almost do this film. As a play, yeah, which are, you know, so that so that uh, playwright background really shows through. You, you could do a lot. We've talked about the um, the visual beauty of it, and I, I feel like you could carry some of that over into an adaptation for the stage mm. fairly easily. Yeah,
1: I I agree. Um, I agree. Because at because at its heart, as every good drama is, in my opinion, it's about relationships, isn't it? And you have the yeah, it's
2: about people and those relationships that they have with one another, and you could absolutely just almost transplant a lot of those directly onto the stage and it would sort of work much the same way.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, th- that being said, though, it is, it is a visual film. Like um, Armagen, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the name, sorry. Ar- Ballantine. Um Her previous shorts are quite, if you've seen them, they're quite strong. Like she had this film called um, Whistle, Whistle, She Blows. Which is all blue filters and it's pretty. It's dialogue free actually. It's all sound and it's set in like I think the Czech Republic, and there's like a big band and there's a woman dancing on the street. So she's quite mm. visual, and so I, th- I feel like that comes across in this film. Uh, and the ghost stuff, like, so I want to get into that. Like you know, only Kimmy can see the ghost. So that's, mm. I mean, that you could you of could obviously twin. present of on the stage his twin. That's right. And that was a real big surprise oh. to me. I was like, oh. Mm. There's a a ghost in the film now. (laughs) Okay, cool.
1: And I think, you know, I mean... Traditionally, I'm not big on magical realism, and um, so sometimes that's a stretch for me. But uh, last year, I saw the wonderful Samoan film *A Thousand Ropes*, which <laughs> dealt with death and um, and ghosts, um, spirit world in a similar way. I thought it was magnificent as well, and I was completely sold. And obviously, um, for I, I mean, I'm as Pakiar as they come, and 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 in my culture, you hope not to see a ghost, but. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I, I was totally sold. And I did like the fact that Kimmy could see his sister. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the, the lovely young woman on the horse sort of intimates that she too can see her, yeah. but it's the rest of the community who just aren't looking hard enough. Um, and there's a sense of comfort around that. I think I would have found the film even more difficult and distressing to watch if it was really just about this little boy just losing his mind because his twin sister had, had died in horrific circumstances, you know?
0: That's right. If you did, if you take out the ghost completely, it would make it quite, quite the dark drama.
1: It's just <laughs> sad,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would make it. He's just wandering around, yeah, talking to himself, which is essentially, if you're looking at it from a non-magical realism and just a realism, realism
0: perspective. <laughs> yeah, 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 is what he's doing. It would just make. It, I mean, it's and already if... pretty, it's already pretty dark, but that would make it way dark.
1: <laughs> it Would be too dark. And for of course, me. he's he's acting out and you know fighting with his siblings and everyone's terribly. un oh, apart from the. Um, the older brother everybody is terribly understanding aren't they and they they get it which i think is also lovely yeah. and i'm and i guess i was kind of relieved that there were no adults in the story who were giving him a hard time you know cuz quite often you've got uh, an abusive father or an aggressive teacher or someone who's who's saying pull yourself together and actually all the adults seemed quite nice didn't they they seemed quite warm and understanding am i right i I only said today, but I think, I'm pretty sure I remember.
0: <laughs> I think so. I mean, I mean, Nancy Brunning and um, uh, uh, what's Jim his name? Moriarty. Jim Moriarty are, are national treasures. Mm. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to just mention that, you know, like he's acting out and that, that synopsis I read out said that. But there was a thing when I was watching the film, one of my first notes was, why is he so angry? Like, there's a point before she's dead where he snatches the chicken off him and he's, he says, you stupid bitch, Araha, talking to the chicken, and he slaps mm. his sister down. I'm like, I mean, I guess sometimes when you're siblings, you just you just angry their siblings. But I just felt like, is there something I was missing? Like he seemed mm. angry. He yeah, seemed no. angry from the start, right? <laughs> mm. I made that same note. Really
2: <laughs> <laughs> before, yeah, before before she got um, oof, what a way to go about in a chest freezer. But um, I made a note that Kai Akami is kind of a dick. Yeah,
0: I I wasn't quite sure I, why. Like, <laughs> I
1: thought it, it just was just more. Sibling, I mean, they're ten, right? And I, I think I just thought, you know, the whole business with the poi—that's my poi. Oh, give it back and all that. Yeah. And you just think, I mean, look, I'll be honest—I'm a high school teacher, so actually, my tolerance for movies <laughs> with kids fighting is actually getting lower as I get older. But because um, I'm like, seriously, this is my weekend. No, but um, and I'd be like, right, you hand the poi to me, and this is how we. No, anyway, so um, but no, I just thought it was kind of natural, sort of. 10-year-old, silly kind of rivalry because something awful had to happen before she died so that he could feel that enormous regret that he wasn't with her. And Because, you know, he says to Ty at the end, I wanted to come with you. And possibly Kimmy's feeling like if I'd gone, things would have been different and she'd still be here. And he's got to have something to feel bad about, doesn't he? I guess if they got along really nicely and then she disappeared, it wouldn't be as poignant, you know? I think it's just a narrative device
2: that that old yeah that old staple where the regrets you yeah. F- yeah you fight
0: you say something awful
2: and then the person goes off and dies.
1: That's right, and then you live to yeah. through the day.
0: But to be fair, the most awful thing he said was to the chicken. He called the chicken a bitch. He didn't call. He didn't call his sister anything. He he did. Isn't that uh, damn right, damn chickens. <laughs> so chickens. I found it um I found it amusing throughout the end. like when he gets angry he's angry for various reasons his sister's dead. um but his his favorite term of uh. Of an insult is bastard, bloody bastards. And, and you bloody you bastards. bastards. bastards.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but this is goodness. obviously what he's heard from the, the grown ups around him, right? This is typical. Yeah. And I, uh, this is typical so every great. child who grows up in an environment where they're just sort of parroting what they hear from everywhere. This is the only, well, not the only thing, but this is something that felt dissonant to me is that he spends his whole time going, you bloody bastards at everything. And yet his parents seemed Don't. really warm and lovely. Yeah, they weren't all aggressive. His brother, no. the brother who tried to to go out with the um the uh, mm. the older girl and and was rejected and then re- retaliated at her. What an authentically written character of of a, you know, a young man disenfranchised young Kiwi man who's rejected and doesn't know how to deal with that other than to just sort of retaliate and go you bitch or whatever it might be. That's so right. perhaps mm-hmm. Kimmy sort
2: of almost Toxic masculinity personified. What a
1: great phrase, Andrew. You should <laughs> coin that. <laughs> yes, yeah. like totally. Um, so maybe Kimmy sort of learned his his the way for processing his emotions from his brother, but he didn't seem to have learned it uh, learned mm. it from his parents. I thought.
0: No, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's one point with Jim. I mean, uh, this film is you know when I when I picked up the cover at the video store, I was like, "Oh, cool, Nancy Browning and Jim Marriott is on this. That's great. I love those guys." You know, but it's not they're not, they're barely in it. I mean it's it's told from yeah. the children's perspective. But one there was one point where Jim Moriarty there's one thing where the daughter, you know, the daughter's dead and it's 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 the day after I think they've given their statements to the police or something, and then their son turns back up after delivering the eggs or something. But he's clearly angry and, and kicking things about. And then Jim takes one look at him and turns to Nancy and says, I'll be in the shed, and walks off.
1: (laughs) Wow, okay, good point. Yeah, good point then. So that's the modelling, isn't it, I suppose, the modelling of how to be a man or masculine or whatever. Well, it was a funny
0: point because I was wondering whether this was a point about, yeah, whether he's being neglectful or this is the way that men deal with stuff, but it was so... Stereotypically Kiwi bloke that it made me laugh, but I wonder if that's just right. because I have a weird context for it. Like I wonder if an international audience would feel the same way because I, I he, he said that and I, I literally laughed. I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't laugh at that. That's probably yeah, not a funny yeah. line to laugh at. Uh, yeah. what about, did, Andrew, did you notice that?
2: Did you? It didn't actually stand out to me. No, oh, okay. but it does. Like the way you're describing it, it does sound like played for comedy. Yeah, <laughs> it was a weird, it was a weird moment. You know, there's one of the kids is acting up, and the dad in very stereotypical dad fashion says, I'll be over this
1: Yeah, I'm not going to deal with it. You deal with this. <laughs> well, yeah, I, think he's actually yeah. got, I
0: think he's actually got, you know, chicken farm work to do because they live on a farm. But yeah, it did sound like, yeah, screw you, I'm off. Um,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But then that, that leads directly into he goes and they he's acting up and then they go to the fish and chip shop and that's when the, that boy tries to ask the lady out. And they come home and he's, you know, little Kimmy's hogging all the chips. And that's when Nancy Brunning that's when she breaks down. And I wrote down, you know, she, she breaks down in tears and she goes and sits on the steps outside. And I wrote down mm. Nancy Brunning's a treasure. I just wrote that down. Like she's, she's so amazing. She's yeah. so good in everything she does. I mean, I I'm sorry, we're gonna get off I'm gonna get off a weird tangent. I, I got to work with her last year on a short film, uh, where she was the coach, she was the acting coach of these these younger people that were in the short um, made by um, uh, Lisa Rehana. Uh, and it was, you know, I, I was, you know, we're not supposed to do this in New Zealand. We're not supposed to fanboy. And like, but I was like, mm, you know, mm. I was like, I had to go talk to her. I was like, you know, because, you know, she was in um, What Becomes the Broken Hearted, which isn't the best film, but she's so good in it. There's a scene where she, mm. she sings in a, in the store. She sings the music. And I told her like, you know, when I saw that, uh, it was it was great. I loved it. She she was like, kia ora, kia ora. She really appreciated it. And she's so, she's such a focused uh, individual. Uh, I, I was listening to this the interview with, um, uh, Briar Grace Smith on on NZ On Screen um, website, and she talks about how um, Nancy Brunning is quite method, and so when they had the the tonguey for her dead daughter, mm. you know she spent the morning becoming that person, and you yes. couldn't you couldn't approach her, you couldn't talk to her, and she said after they finished filming for the day, Briar Grace Smith felt so bad she wanted to apologise for writing the scene, because <laughs> <I was like, laughs> you know she Nancy just embodies that that persona you know so well
1: yes and will have just been grief stricken and tired and well exhausted probably from yeah from shooting <laughs> with that intensity
0: that's right yeah yeah and, and that's <laughs> the sort of like she seems like i don't know whether new zealand actors subscribe to the method but i guess that's that's what is the method right essentially like she's, yes, she's that is, fully what Im- is yeah she's fully immersed yeah. in that that scenario yeah i mean that she doesn't I mean, that's kind of the last scene where she gets a great moment, I feel. I mean, she's, she's good overall, but, I mean, it's mainly the children. And you mentioned mm. earlier that it's, some of the performances are often, in these interviews I saw on Indian screen, they, they deliberately use non-actors, but often children are non-actors because they're, they're children. I mean, they're not yeah. really and, and career sometimes children th- actors. In they're
1: remarkably <laughs> talented as well. I mean, sometimes you get absolute magic from first-time children, don't you? Um, and they're fine. Mm. They're fine. And, you know, look, This again, this is the, the dreadful thing about hindsight, because I actually had a look and I saw, well, I, I um, did a, a, a quick research on good old IMDb to see whether any of the actors in the film, obviously, apart from Nancy and Jim um, mm. and a couple of the other adults, had gone on to do anything else. And they haven't. None of them have. And I was looking at little Kimmy and I was thinking, oh, he's not quite Julian Dennison. And then I thought, well, that's unfair because, A, he predates Julian Dennison by eight years, um, but also we can't all be Julian Dennison. And... <laughs> but do you know what I mean? He, but he, has a, but he, he yeah. was a little similar. He could have been a little bit similar. And um, Yeah, I don't, he was, I don't... He was fine, but he didn't have that, that X factor that like James Rolleston had. In the various
0: um, literature I read, they talked about casting non-actors and filming the younger. So I'm thinking mm. maybe they got locals. I'm not entirely sure where the casting process came from. I mean, usually you cast from all over the country to find the best person you can. But someone like Julian Dennison is, uh, I feel like a weird anomaly because I th- he's. I met him one time in Wellington. Like he was at a, he was at a service station. I it was like after Wilder people, and he's just like. You know, he's from the city, I think, and he's personable and he's got that sort yeah, of charm. Sure. So it's kind of like, if this is a rural kid, they probably don't have that, you know... Yeah, sure, they sure. They might sure. not have it. And, it's hard. And obviously
1: <laughs> they're going to be very authentic. I mean, the, there was... There was no overacting going on at all, which is absolutely to everybody's credit. So yeah, it wasn't like any of the the young people who were cast suddenly went, oh, okay, I'm going to have to get my acting face on because you'll notice nobody does an acting face at all, and everybody's quite monotone. And and actually, I so, because I teach drama as well as English at high school, so I'm I'm all over this now, and I'm and I'm like, well, actually, as much as I'm thinking, oh, there's not a lot of dynamism going on. It actually is really authentic and it feels real. And particularly for, for example, the character of Ty, who turns up to town. We don't know much about him. He His face belies nothing. Um, and it's effective because you don't need somebody to all come in all Hollywood and all be like, oh, I've got a secret and I can't let you know what it is because I need to be involved in a family trauma first. You know, yeah. So, um so it's well, not we, inappropriate.
0: Now, we never find out, like, I guess it's not important, but, the you know, the Andrew will attest to this. I am quite, I can be quite genre-specific. Sometimes I get a little bit, that art house stuff can get me a little bit frustrated, but it's a catalyst. Like, he talks about, like, he's got a, um, he's had some, some troubles and his, his mum told him yes. about his grandfather's house. So he's, he's, he's essentially hiding yeah. out. That's fine and all. Like, I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then what, what, did I miss something? What happens with him? What's the end of his story? Nothing. So it just sort of stop?
1: I didn't pick up on anything. So and maybe I'd stop watching properly. What about you, Andrew? <laughs> no, you, and it's. Was there a big reveal well, and, and we missed it? Yeah. Well, no, yeah,
2: and just thinking about that because the film, just in, in, in overall, the film does kind of focus on Kimmy a lot and his, you know, vision of melody, but then there's also almost, almost like a B plot.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely of a B
2: plot. Yeah, Ty and and um, I've forgotten her name, uh,
1: Melody.
0: Melody, uh, no, no the, uh, um, the fish and chip shop. They keep, they keep calling it um, have Getting closer, forgot her name. Sorry, <laughs> I'll find it for you. Hold on. On.
2: But yeah, but yeah, <laughs> so they, those two characters getting closer, and I sort of wasn't as engaged in their story because no. I felt like it was, it was, it was the B plot, you know. And it it didn't. I didn't sort of see how it really tied into the a plot. I mean,
1: for a moment there, I expected when when she goodness, we need to find out her name, but you know who we're talking about. (laughs) When she gets drunk at the party and um, and she has sort of you know very passive, not I wouldn't say reluctant, but passive sex with the um, the older brother. Yeah. And and, um, then she breaks up with him the next day. I thought, oh, I wonder if she's going to get pregnant, and then there'll be a new baby and the baby will replace the, the lost child, you know, or something like that. But nothing nothing like that happened at all. Lost opportunity, I say. Move over, Briar Grace Smith, I say. Oh, I've got this, you know. Um, uh, but no, that didn't happen. Was, I
0: think her name was Annie. I think her name was Annie. I mean, the, 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 names, are, the names in this film are often sort of um, <laughs> uh, not said out loud, like everyone's sort of mumbling their words, so it's kind of a hard to keep track of everyone. In fact, one review I found uh, just called the father Jim Moriarty, Moriarty's character dad, but he's listed on the credits as a guy called Gibby, so I don't think yes. anyone had called him Gibby, did they? I don't remember anyone calling him by his name. Not that I remember, no. No, no I don't. I no. think so. he was just dad. Um, uh, sorry, so I think your name is Annie, but yeah. I mean, my, my issue was that it was, you know, like they kept calling him here. Sorry, I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. The fairy people. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why they thought that. I guess because their parents are missing, and we find out eventually that they are dead they're on the wall of dead people and and and, and the, before they died were not good people drug addicts i imagine well that's not fair not good people they fall on bad times but uh, they were super drug people yes super drug people. super God, yeah. super <laughs> drugs
2: great 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 word use there and <laughs> super drugs they were doing super drugs
0: um,
2: uh, um <laughs> well no because um her, when um her grandma sort of is cutting her hair yeah she mentioned you know i basically paid your parents to leave you to behind leave. and yeah. exactly. to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and then they kept taking money from her until they both presumably overdosed, so... Yeah.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, we, we were let into that aspect of the story, so I'm like, OK, cool, this is this is something I'm interested in. It's plot. There's a little bit of thematic element to it, but... But beyond know, that,
1: how does it relate?
0: Well, she connects with Ty and I thought, OK, cool, so they're yeah. connected now and maybe they're going to go to Sydney or Auckland or some, get out of the town or something, but it just doesn't it stops and i was like why why does it why is it if it stops like that why is it even in the story you know like that was i have I was the gonna, i yeah. have
1: the answer for you my first note that i wrote was a quote and it's when the two children are with the he- the chickens at the very very beginning And Melody says, and I quote, what's the point of having wings if you don't know how to use them? And I wrote it down and I went, oh, is this, um, you know, is this uh, foreshadowing perhaps? I'm not quite, I haven't quite analysed it through to decide if it is, but I bet you it sort of is. So maybe that's it. You could leave here, but you're stuck here. Why are you stuck here? Do you know?
0: And then this guy comes along that maybe has the way of helping her get out of there. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I really, that was something that really struck out to me as uh, not, not resolved. And also the brother, the older brother, taking like zero responsibility for the death. Like, sure, you want to blame this guy, you want to call him a who who's locked in the fridge, but they only went in there because of your dog. <laughs> like, you know. They...
2: Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that was a constantly annoying me because that guy was just being a complete dick throughout the whole thing. But, but it, I understood because yeah. he didn't want to take responsibility because then he's taking responsibility for his little sister's death. Yeah, sure. And it's yeah, much exactly. easier to Who stay angry.
1: It's easier to stay angry, isn't it, at somebody than yeah. to accept it and to go, well, that's just a terrible accident because then you've got to get on with the grieving process and this kid was not going to yeah. grieve, which is why he reacts to Annie the way he does. You know, you're a whore. Actually, does he say whore? Slut or something uh, like that? A hoe.
0: He calls her a hoe. You're a hoe. A hoe. Ho. Yeah, yeah, um,
1: yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think he's just probably an archetypal teen who doesn't know how to process his emotions appropriately. Yeah,
2: I think, I think all of that anger that he has, that he's firing off at, at these people, is from that it was my dog that, you know, yeah. essentially caused all of this. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's a weird shot, I think, just before the um, Ty and Melody are heading off, he's kind of bashing in the stake to keep his dog... Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's kind of giving them a weird look, and I'm thinking, oh, is he doing something to get the dog after this new mysterious kid? Or I'm not too sure. But I didn't pick up on that. It was a...
1: I think was he was strange. just being threatening. I, I think that he was jealous of Ty because yeah. the minute Ty turns up, you remember that everybody hongies him and says, hey, thank you so much. Why don't you come in for a cup of tea? You can stay. And the kid, the older brother, is like, why would anyone want to stay here? So I wonder if he was just jealous of Ty from the beginning.
2: Right, um, yeah. He's and, the he's the cool new kid in town. That's should, right. Yeah.
0: But but a film like this, I feel, I guess, once again, maybe I'm just, I want, it, I want everything nicely wrapped up, but I'm like... You know, Nancy Brunning's the mother questions, you know, it was Did you tell the police it was your dog? And Jim's like, you know, we didn't tell him anything and I feel like there's oh, yeah. there's things that are like sort of building up to this catalyst, like, oh, something, you know, everything's going to break. And then it doesn't happen. Yeah, everything's going to break in this moment of, like, catharsis and everyone will cry. I guess I've seen a lot of Bollywood films because that's what happens. Like, Mm. everyone just, something big (laughs) happens and everyone cries and it's all fine, you know. But this is just, like, everything sort of peters out. Even uh, Kimmy and his twin sort of peters out. I was like, oh, yeah. He'll put the photo back and there'll be this great thing and maybe she'll appear in the afterlife with the dead chicken because that's also murdered. You know, I was expecting something... Maybe neater, and I, I wasn't given it. Maybe I'm just a dummy, but I wanted something oh, more.
1: than That I think I think that you you know if we're looking at New Zealand film as a genre, particularly back in 2009 and earlier, you mentioned earlier Sam Neil's um, Cinema of Unease. You've I know you you've looked at Rain and other um, depressing but nicely made films. You know, <laughs> um, I think it's part of our. I was going to say shtick, and I don't mean that disrespectfully at all. But I I think you know it's not New Zealandish to go big to go Bollywood or Hollywood um, or to to tie things up too neatly. And I, I feel as though we like to leave a little bit of ambiguity or perhaps the playwright or, the sorry, the author is saying this is actually Kimmy's story and here are mm. some people who are in Kimmy's life and this is what they're going through but actually this is about Kimmy reconciling mm-hmm. with the fact that he's lost his sister and then he's the one, because he's the only one really, isn't he, who gets a, that gets that sort of resolution at the end and, you know, and it's all over, but it's very but, undramatic.
0: Yeah, but you say that he gets a resolution. What's what's yeah. the resolution exactly? Like it, it is. is like, it, it's him.
2: him. No, no, yeah, it's him. Yeah, uh, being able to let go of his sister and sort of, uh, you know, let her move on to Hawaii. Right. Yes. What,
0: what was accepting the Accepting it.
2: Because he runs off down the beach, doesn't he? To do that. Is that what happens with the ribbon? Because well, yeah, because yeah. he he lets all the chickens out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so many chickens. Because um, he's he's trying to find uh, Aroha, which is their their chicken. particular chicken. Yeah. And he runs up to, and I think, I'm pretty sure I caught this at the start, but the guy who comes to pick up the chickens. Yeah, he's going to go they kill think
0: the he's chickens. The yeah. the chicken savior. Yeah, they think he's saving the chickens, but he's clearly just going to kill them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I, well, yeah, when they said, oh, it's the chicken savior, I was like, what? The chicken savior? Why
1: is there a guy who's coming around <laughs>
2: saving particular because chickens? It's okay. just
1: what you tell kids, I guess, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and me, apparently, because I yeah. totally bought just it. Just so you empathy. don't feel
1: too upset, Andrew, that actually the chickens yeah. are going to die. You didn't That's get that, because right.
0: yeah. they talk about it, because the twins say, oh, what what do you reckon they teach them at chicken school? They talk about how to fly. I'm like, there's no chicken school. <laughs> That's not happening. Oh, oh,
2: man, I'm just a dummy. <laughs> oh. I don't know if they were like being special chicken saved to, I don't know, breed or something. I and think then... you're sweetly
1: optimistic. Sweetly <laughs> optimistic.
2: But, um, um... Old yellow has gone to the farm. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. The, the happy yeah. farm so, but... near the sky. Yeah. <laughs> so he,
0: confront, so, he yeah. confronts the uh, chicken saver and he calls him a bastard. Well, Stop, your
1: bastard.
2: That was a good moment. So when he yeah, comes around the corner and... Boom, well, it was the guy Literally, just brought the axe down.
1: Yeah, and he sees the ribbon on the floor, and it's and it's pretty dispassionate. Yeah. But again, it's like, but again, right? It's a metaphor for freeing Kimmy, is it not? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, but it's, um, and I just, I loved that little moment from the Chicken Man, you know, where he just he sees Kimmy and looks at him. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this is a complete betrayal <laughs> because you thought I was having these, but I've actually been lopping off their heads. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was a nice little moment. But then, yeah, it's he, Araha, the chicken symbol, almost, of mm-hmm. Kimmy and Melody now gone. on. And then he, he goes down to the beach and goes to her grave. Right.
1: And it's an end of an era, sort of.
2: Yeah, and so, so there's that close-up on the two of them as she's asking him if he knows where Hawaiki is. And then it opens up, and it's a wide shot, and she's gone. She's gone, mm. yeah, of, yeah. Which so- I thought as like, that's it.
1: I have a question for you fellas about the um, the way that the ghost was rendered. So Melody appears as a ghost that technically only Kimmy can see and I was really interested mm. in the way that Melody spoke knowledgeably as if she was Melody who is alive rather than speaking as if she is an apparition of Kimmy's imagining. Do you know what I mean? Like quite often ghosts yeah. only say what the protagonist really thinks or knows and in this Mm. instance she was giving him knowledge that really only she could know and I thought is this because this is badly written well you know with my expertise about how ghosts really talk and all that sort of (laughs) thing or is this because it adds that extra layer of lovely magical realism or was he able to intuit what Melody probably would have said but do you know what I mean that felt to me like quite a it was very notable to me.
2: Yes, I, I can. Yeah, I think you there's. There, the, it, it's sort of. It's almost like straight up front um, when she first appears after her death, right? Where they're talking about how she died or something, and she mentions that they they've got it wrong. That's yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well he's talking about, he so about that? So I
2: think I think at that point I took it on as, oh, she is a ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, that. I think it is that magical realism.
1: That, well, that, yeah, I think it's in his mind. Yeah.
0: I mean, there, there were lots of specific, like, quite nerdy moments where I was like, oh, she's a ghost. Like, she's a ghost, like, in Ghostbusters or something. like, Because I, cause I thought, oh, yeah, <laughs> when she first appeared, I was like, oh, this poor kid's having a, you know, he's, he, this is the way he's dealing with his grief. But then yes. later she talks specifically of, like, oh, you know, I'm just a bit of skin and hair. I don't have any guts. Uh, I, I can't I can't feel it. You'll have to eat it for me. Oh, the. the they're wrong about him being a pervert, that's not how it happened, that's not how I died. Like, yeah. S- that's, yes. specific yes. things that other people wouldn't know and also specific things are like, this is what it's like being a ghost. <laughs> like yes. I mean, that
1: might and be not
0: right. It might I mean it might be. He might be an imaginative kid, but I'm like, those are quite specific things that she's talking about. And then yeah. and then and then he has that truly short but horrible nightmare. Where she's in the water drowning and she's like, "This is what it feels like to be dead," right? Like and it's like, mm, "Oh, mm. geez, yeah. <laughs> like that's really, yeah, that's that's too much." So that's what, that made me think. Oh, yeah, it's not a grief mechanism; it's a real, like they're using spirituality yeah. as a real thing, which I'm not too uh, sure how I feel about.
1: You know? <laughs> good, I, I I think I like that. You see, and I think it, it speaks a lot to my Pākehā-ness that my initial instinct was, well, um, ghosts are often sort of. Um, well, as I keep saying, sort of apparitions from our own mind or our own, uh, they're projections for us. But in actual fact, I don't believe that Maori Dim believes that they're projections. I don't think Samoan culture does either. And therefore, that would absolutely make sense that she's a legitimate, mm. I was going to say living, she's clearly not quite living, but you know what I mean? She's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. she is um, a, she's legitimate,
0: a real life ghost. She's it's not a real thing. living, breathing, it's not ghost. a mental projection. It's not a. That's right. I mean, it might be a mental prediction, but it's not solely from inside Kimmy. Like it's. No. It's the environment itself. That's that's that's. And, made and her it would, would make
1: sense that as a twin, that she would materialize to him of all people. Yeah, that makes right. sense to me. A, and there are moments. No,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> there there are there are moments in the film where she is not around and he has to go looking for her. You know, so she's yeah. often that she he finds her in the Marae, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that she would go there to see the wall of the dead people. You know.
2: Yeah. Um, she's off doing her ghostly business. Um, yeah. But so just on that, the, the ghost, and it's, um, the ghost nature, because a lot of times in Western stories, the ghost is typically hanging around because they have unfinished business. Yes. It's the Well, it's the ghost starring Patrick Spacey uh, of things. You know? Yes. Yeah. He's stuck Good. as a ghost until he... Good point. He can do
1: Until he can move on to someone. one of the other netherworlds or whatever, yeah.
2: Exactly. Whereas this film, it's very much the living that is holding on and keeping the ghost there, which I thought uh, it's actually a very interesting, um, it's a different way of approaching ghosts and spiritual...
1: Or that she, as the twin, has come back specifically to be with him to ease him into the reality of her not being around right which is kind of what you're saying but that I I wonder whether it's almost more driven by her which makes her even more agentic you know um and less of a projection and all that so yeah I like that I like that.
0: Mm. Briar Grace Smith talked about it in this interview as well about how she's fascinated by twins because they seem to have a connectiveness that other siblings don't necessarily share so I'm guessing that's why Mm. that's that's that connection is there in the story um Mm. I, don't, I don't know I don't actually know any twins to ask them whether they have that weird sort of connection to each other but I hear about it in various short films and feature films like we just watched so I, may, I guess it must be true unless she's perpetuating mm. a myth um, no, I, yeah. We talked to earlier at the very beginning about like we were making some jokes about water and the strength of water now it's funny unlike rain where there's no rain but water is a big feature of the film I don't know whether the water is necessarily a huge feature of this movie. Is it? Like, specifically imagery of water, except for the very start oh, and the very a, end?
1: There's a lot of rain during the tangi. A lot right. of very, there's very rain heavy rain. rain. But, I don't know, I was thinking more about... I wondered if it was the strength of blood ties and the strength of water. Or maybe it's part of an idiom I don't know. But to me, it, it, it doesn't have a very profound meaning. It just sounds like four nice or two nice words strung together... Mm. Um, Yeah, it's one of those
0: things I'm like, I wonder if this title really is the best title. I mean, it's nice. I like the title, but I don't know whether it connects. Uh, And I wonder if, like, uh, well, I know for a fact, like, Brian Gray Smith talked about it being connected specifically to sumo wrestling because water uh, is used as a cleansing ritual at the beginning of sumo wrestling. And he has that poster of a sumo wrestler that he shows Ty and his. his, his, Kimmy shows Ty the poster. He's like, I've got this thing to show you. And he goes to his room and there's this posted this big sumo dude on the wall, and Kimmy and says, like, that,
1: "Oh, he—he he looks like his knees are buckling or something, doesn't he?" And he—he like, says, "He yeah. looks
0: like his knees are gonna, gonna give out," which I thought was give. a very, yeah, that's right, a very old man way of saying something. I thought that was a weird, yeah, they didn't, didn't quite sound right coming out of his mouth. But, um, but you know, and she she said the parallels with with Maori tikanga and the, using water as a cleansing ritual. She liked that, so that's where that came from.
1: Oh, okay, that I makes feel sense. like the sumo yeah.
0: thing was 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 sort of taken out of the film. I think maybe it was in there more and they got rid of it because it's only in that one scene.
1: I, I read the article that's where they were asking her how she came up with the story and she said that she sort of built it in... She didn't say she built it in bricks, but she said the first thing that she came up with was she wanted to write about a little boy who who was obsessed with a sumo wrestler. Right. So there I is. guess she thought yeah. of that and went, well, boom, there's my Kimmy, but it, it didn't need to be perhaps more than that. I don't know. But yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Then, in terms of cleansing, then that obviously has lots of connections to grief, and um, and it's the rain obviously that caused them to, to leap into the fridge in the first place and cause the disaster. No, it wasn't. It was the dog. It was but, the dog? <laughs> no, wait. You're right. It was rain when yeah. they were found. You're right. It was it was raining bucketing down when they were found. But no, not yeah. All right. I I'll take that back. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, just, I didn't. I didn't get a lot of um, water imagery in the film either. And I yeah, I sort of. With that title, and I guess also specifically after rain, <laughs> I was expecting that. But do you maybe want to know what? The strength of the to- water in your tears.
1: To- talking about how we actually got to see this film, <laughs> when I went on the NZ on film um, website and I typed in. Um, I was doing it in a bit of a rush, clearly. I typed in Strength of Water, and then I, uh, whatever happened, I typed in Water, and it brought up a film. Well, it brought up Strength of Water. And as I hit click on it, it also brought up After the Waterfall. And I wound oh, yeah. up buying After the Waterfall. So I've rented <laughs> that. I've got to have to watch that <laughs> you now. You've
0: to have to watch that too,
1: which I understand is I've seen it good. before. It is good. I've seen it before, but then I had to go back and actually t- carefully type in "Strength of Water" and rent that one. So there you go. And we
0: have a we have another New Zealand film. Sorry, tangents again. Called "The Strength of Elephants." Is that another New Zealand film? Something about elephants. Strength of there's elephants. The weight of elephants. Oh, which the weight is... of elephants. Is there a
2: strength of elephants as well? No, there's know. weight of elephants. I'm I thought that confused.
1: was the Reese Witherspoon. Isn't oh, you're
2: right, I'm the getting circus? yeah, that's the, yeah, the circus one, sorry.
1: You don't want to be talking about that. <laughs> yeah,
2: part. no, I, I was doing the same thing, Rajiv, I was getting this confused with the shape of water, the weight of elephants. Exactly,
1: of I was getting it with the shape of water, and yeah, so that's why I feel like strength, water, <laughs> strength, those water. words are interchangeable, to, it's very difficult. You'd be hard pressed to go into a video store and say, oh, oh, that film, it's called, um, you know, but... Um,
2: the something
0: of something. It's <laughs> yeah, the, the one right. where the bad thing happens and the kid dies. And it's yeah. made in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, so many of those. Um, um, so one thing, uh, visual I mean, lots of visual stuff going on in this film. I, I think that um, Megan Ballantyne is quite good. Interesting that she is Pakia. I feel like I don't know enough about Māori tikanga and culture to know whether it feels like a Māori story to a Māori person, but I feel like it does. To an outsider, like to me, I'm not immersed in yeah. that culture. It felt like very authentic. Uh, and yeah, progress- that's
1: because it's written, but that's because it's written by... Rye Grace Smith, right? Sure, sure, so. sure,
0: sure, sure. But yeah, but you have to have I feel like you have to have a certain sensibility to work. Especially yeah. the way the way that it was um it's all behind the scenes stuff, so it's not necessarily the text of the movie, it's underneath that, but to go into that community and sort of immerse yourself and become part of it. They they talked about how they were all singing karaoke after the shots and campfires and you know, being with the locals. So it sounds right. like a very communal sort of thing. But I just, you know, the, the visual stuff seemed quite strong to me. And there was one thing at the end, I'm like, oh, what does that mean? And it made me think of Utu. It was the um, the little lizard on the fridge when he goes to find yeah. his ghost, the, oh, his yeah. ghost sister. And the lizard sort of hisses at him. And I was like, oh, that kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of, uh, what's his face, his character? character, um, Bruno Lance's character, uh, because he has the little gecko carving. Oh, and he listens oh, to it and he talks and it tells him about... Um, when death oh, yeah. when death is on its way, I wonder if that's a, a
1: callback yeah, to that know. or something.
0: I don't know. That just I was like, am I just a weird nerd? Like that's immediately my mind jumped to that, which is like a weird. Yeah. I don't know, what did you guys think? Like, what did you think it meant, perhaps?
1: I didn't think it meant. I it didn't. It did, I didn't think anything of it, other than gosh, that little bit where he sort of jumps back and looks surprised felt a little bit Julian Dennison, a little bit Hunter for, Hunt for the Wilder people, which of course it isn't <laughs> because this film predates that. But um, uh, yeah, no, I didn't. Didn't really think that. It's Andrew, just, no, it's, yeah, this? and
2: I sort of I, I thought, oh, is this like? Um, I, and this is because I don't. I'm not, you know, one hundred percent familiar with with the culture. Is it uh, Maori spirit? thing is like what I thought is this representative of something but then it's also then quickly gone and she's there in the freezer yeah it's true
0: yeah is it is it it like a a spirit animal perhaps a guide yeah or
2: yeah yeah, is it is it is it something like that and just not familiar enough to to
1: recognize but she had said hadn't she that the jellyfish are her not exactly spirit guides but they were her guardians uh, and that she never got stung by them so I feel like it would have been muddying the waters, but um, to um, to put the uh, the lizard gecko <laughs> creature in. Can I just speak to the Ballantine thing though? Apparently, um, the director, yes, she's Pakia, Um, she trained in the Czech Republic, which will be why that short film that you uh, saw
0: makes sense was yep.
1: made there. Um, and I know because I look, I was look- thinking about the cinematography of this because the the film looks just like every other New Zealand film, and I thought, oh, I wonder which local probably bloke made it and in fact it's a it's, it's a not. polish <laughs> it's dop polish yeah. who yeah who she was introduced to because this had to be a german co-production that's right and um mm-hmm. and so he came down and was delighted and and shot it and and everything so i thought it was interesting i mean look i guess if you watched it with subtitles on uh, no, no, I mean, with no sound. Anybody in the world might think this, this film could be from anywhere. I'm not suggesting the cinematography is particularly Kiwi, but it did feel to me like a New Zealand film, and I just thought, oh, that's interesting. Huh. But then maybe yeah. it feels like a Polish film, I don't know.
0: I thought it felt... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I mean, I mean, the Kiwi landscape often is, is quite specific. It's a weird thing where, when we did RAIN, where they talked specifically about the geographical location, and I felt like this was not specified... But everything I read was like Hokianga this, or that I didn't yeah. I don't know my New Zealand geography enough to recognise a, a specific.
1: No, neither. Place. Neither. Um it
0: Nothing. just seemed and like I
1: I certainly didn't go, oh, this is obviously the Hokianga. No. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um but it did it did like when I saw the cinematographer's name, I'm like, ah, the guy what was his name? Um Bogamol You know, I thought, Oh, that sounds like an Eastern European name. I wonder if it's you know, in the because it looked beautiful. I'm like the tradition of Pretty much all Eastern European cinematographers as being amazing for whatever reason, and yeah, mm. and, and, and he, like i looked up a cinematography um, listings. I don't know any of the other films he's worked on, but I imagine they're probably no. just as good looking as, as this one. Um, but the, the, but it does permeate. It does have that gray, that greyness permeates through everything, which is kind of like you know, it's a movie about grief and and stuff. But even at the end, there isn't even a ray of sunshine. Like you know, like it's just no.
1: It's just the a... And she's she said in an interview. I th- I'm pretty sure it was Briar Grace Smith who said in a, in an interview that if there was any message to the film, she wanted it to be one of hope. And I th- and I can see where she's going with that, but I didn't really get many feels from this film. Perhaps I'm terribly cold hearted. I don't know, but I didn't. It it it, it didn't affect me as much as and it's invidious to dis, to um compare it to waru although there are really good comparisons because Brian grace smith did um direct the first segment in waru i know you guys are going to be talking about that another time but um but whereas waru gave me lots of feels this one this one didn't um it didn't give me whale rider-esque feels either and um and it didn't leave me feeling anything very much about hope but perhaps that's just because overall i didn't connect to it as much as i might have
0: i i mean hope is i mean even with wato i don't think hope is the right word for either of these films uh i feel bad i feel bad saying that because i you know i don't want to i don't want to like go against what Gray smith is trying to get to us but i don't feel hope yeah. <laughs> i felt kind of bad <laughs> after the film finished
1: i'm like but- perhaps it's the hope of um that life can go on after you've lost somebody very dear to you you know because that's in essence what happens narratively isn't it he he is released of his well I don't want to say attachment but you know he uh he's able to move on anyway so
0: sure but but there is like you know this young girl died and then there's a man that has come to town a young man who's been sort of blamed for it and they're beaten up for it and doesn't feel any hope at the end of that there's an angry older man that doesn't want to take responsibility for the fact that he played a part in the death of his sister and there's a Mm. girl who's the daughter of junkie parents who finds out and uh you know kind of wants to escape but you kind of can't and nancy brunning is sad and jimmy already can't deal with what's happening uh i don't see much hope i mean it just seems like no but no i think (laughs) i
2: think like sarah's right that it it is a it's about that letting go that Um, being able to move on but just thinking about while you were saying that Sarah is it it doesn't yeah that hope doesn't kind of quite come through whereas with and we've talked in comparison with this a lot because I think of the water connection and also hokianga with rain rain is one of those films where stuff happens and then a bad thing happens and the film ends and that as we discuss, almost ends on a more hopeful note.
0: Mm. It, it does,
2: because you, you get the feeling that something better, like she's grown from it. We,
0: we get, we get the.
2: When I think with with Rain, actually, because it might just be because she's talk, she talks as they're driving away. She talks about what happens exactly in the future. Yeah. So we get that sense of things do move are going on to move forward. Going. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas with this, we're. We sort of just left in the present.
0: I mean, th- this is this is clearly a very independent, small budget, art house esque film, whereas like *Whale Rider* <laughs> is is yeah. essentially a a, a three act structure, very classical sort of film. You know, and it leaves you with a sense of hope, and it's very uh, universal. It, that you know, audiences yeah. of Hollywood will be cheering for that. Uh, this isn't necessarily a audience, a big audience banger of any sort. It's more no. thoughtful. But that being said, I I personally want more stuff wrapped up a bit neater personally. But mm. you know, uh, the stuff with the stuff with Kimmy is pretty good.
1: I I, I am very desperately fond and not not. Um embarrassed to say that I do like things to wrap up. I, I love con- narrative contrivances at the end of films, um, and I find all that sort of thing delightful. That, oh, he's really the uncle. Yeah, this is great, or whatever it might be. Um, my husband yeah. doesn't agree at all. He finds that sort of thing absolutely contrived, and and it, and it wouldn't work for him necessarily, but yeah, man, I'm like, yep, let's just wrap <laughs> this up so I can go home knowing what happened and feeling like it's all sorted. So Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Yes, yeah, so it has a little a little sense of. Uh, it felt like it petered out. A ambiguity, bit but but that's me. I, that, mm. Now I felt like we've we've dwelt way too long on negative stuff because I think it's pretty good generally. Like I feel like, you know, a film when I did connect to the to Kimmy. Like I thought, oh yeah, he, I can I get where he's coming from, even though he seems way too angry for me at the start. But I'm like, you know, he's trying to hold on to this thing that's now gone. You know, he and he, you know, he held the inhaler for her, so that was like, you know, he was yeah. clearly a good brother. And I'm an asthmatic, so that, that death scene was like, oh, jeez. That's, that's, yeah, right. that's too much, too much, too much. Actually, sorry, on that, I had a problem with that
2: because if you're an asthmatic, shouldn't you hold on to your own inhaler? I think because maybe
0: she's less responsible than he was. Who knows?
1: Or, ma- or maybe, no, she was way more responsible because she's the one who says to the mum <laughs> at the beginning, that's he's right. going to go off, he doesn't say go off on a tangent. What does she keep saying about him? He's um, going to get distracted or something, he goes, no, I'm not. Don't
0: get distracted, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I think it was probably more, again, a narrative... To, well, it's obviously a device, because without it, we wouldn't have the death and we wouldn't have the rest of the story, but I think it was more just to show the deep connection between the two, that they're almost joined at the hip, such that he can carry her life-giving medicine because they do everything together, and that's what makes it so much worse when they are apart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, more I, the yeah. more I dissect this as a, as a story, the more I think, actually, this is well-written and this is good. The film itself, I I can understand absolutely why it did well, critically, if not audience-wise, back back when it came out. I can understand all of the accolades and the definitely the subsequent success of its writer, and I think I saw it too late. I think I've seen so many things since 2009 that this feels... Derivative, which is unfair, unfair because, of course, it isn't because it predates most. of the, Well, it will predate everything I've seen since two thousand nine. Hmm. And um, it's
2: sort of that. It's it's that like watching Casablanca or Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, Kane. now
1: was utterly unimprisoned. After
2: unimpressive. all of those films that came out to it. comparing
0: the film to Citizen Kane.
1: <laughs> no, no, we're not. But, but, uh, but <laughs> no, look, it's yeah, a similar thing, right? I'm, when I lived in yeah, London, yeah, I went yeah. to the National Film Theatre, as was, and saw this amazing film that was meant to be the best film of all time. And apart from the um, the fantastic shot, that the crane or otherwise, that goes through the skylight, I was sort of underwhelmed by Citizen Kane. And I was yeah. like, what? Am I so out of step with the cinematic world? Or is it just that, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of like way cooler photography now, and I sort of had to think, what would it have been like to see that before there was anything like that, and it would have been amazing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. that's a that's a difficult one for me. I had to think of something else. But Citizen came when I first saw it, blew my mind. But yeah, I think a good example for me would be westerns. To get very personal on, I used to really dislike westerns. My dad loved them, and then. Later on in life, I'm like, no, Westerns are amazing. And I went back and watched a lot of yeah, them and thought they were really great. that's true.
1: Yeah. Um, the, what was I, what, what do I want to say about this? There was one thing about... Um, I think you were defending it. I think you were defending it, Rajiv. What was I defending <laughs> in the my film? Bows oh, and I, arrows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was...
0: Uh, whenever, there's, whenever there's a performance from kids that is good, I sort of forgive stuff. And there are moments yeah. where it's not good, but it's generally pretty good. You know, it's generally mm. like I'm like, this is some affecting stuff, and you know, I, I would uh, I would recommend it. I'd recommend this film. Recommend it. Uh, any any final thoughts of it, uh, or anything we haven't discussed that you wanted to talk
1: about? Would Andrew? you recommend it, Andrew?
0: <laughs> um, I was just thinking about
2: that. Um, which and and is there <laughs> sort of more thinking? Is there any point in in me recommending it? Thinking about being on this other side of the world, and if, if I do recommend it, you might very well not be able to see it because there might be some trouble sure. with uh, accessing the on-demand section of the New Zealand Film Commission website. Well, you,
0: currently. Well, you have to. Um, As a New Zealand film person, you have to recommend films, New Zealand films to yeah. people you live that are around you. Yeah. Would this be one that you would put on that list or would there be others <laughs> that you put before it? Is that, that's the main thing. I mean, it, it's a smaller film. I guess you want to put big crab pleasers in the thing like oh you should watch this you know it's it's quite a specific oh, taste
1: not necessarily and look you know i'm answering for andrew but i mean <laughs> it's not it, but it's also it's not so parochial you know what i mean it's not a parochial film or anything that is so new zealandish that no one overseas would get it and no uh, no no and and, and, I, didn't and mean I mean that, interestingly but yeah, yeah. yeah so i think you know because so because of that i think it's either recommendable because it's a a, a film that will give you the feels and um and has quality aspects to it, or it isn't. Mm, mm, um, mm. Yeah, so back to you, Andrew. I think in terms
2: of, yeah, in terms <laughs> of if we're talking about recommending or not, I'd say, you know, it's a solid, for me, it's a solid, good film. I don't think it's, it's so, yeah, like you say, Sarah, it's not so parochial, but it's also not so emblematic, mm. um, almost like I think of the the one all the time is if you want to sort of understand Australia, watch the castle. Right. Mm. <laughs> You know, like that's sort of almost emblematic of of the country. I think there would be, I think there would necessarily be films, if I was giving someone a list of New Zealand films to watch to to get an understanding of New Zealand, that would come above this. I would recommend this film as one to watch, but not necessarily one you need to rush out
0: I l- I love the yeah. idea of of watching films to understand the psyche of a country. I think there'd be lots of people in Australia who would disagree with it's the castle, but I like the idea of watching films. Probably, like, but, but, but anyway. I mean, I, I find that an interesting thing to think about because
2: yeah, I mean, I, I would like recommend Chester, this. Is it does it does look and sort of almost feel like a like a very typical New Zealand film? Right.
1: Well. Even if not New Zealand, I would say it's a, a, it feels like a fairly authentic Māori film, and we haven't really talked about it very much within the context of its being Māori and around Māori experience, Māori tikanga, as you said, Rajiv, and in a, a predominantly Māori community. Um, but to that end, I think, yes, I think I would rather people were watching this perhaps than Once Were Warriors. No, but Once Were Warriors is a much more exciting, visceral almost a more important film, except that it has just sort of one narrative, which is not the only narrative around Māori in New Zealand, so one has to be so careful. Same with Waru, you know. Waru is an incredibly important film. Everybody should see it. Mm. It's a. You, you'll talk about that another time. No, but, but, yeah, but no, I th- we've, I we've think, talked about yeah.
0: that specific sort of thing when we, when we discussed The Dark Horse, because we, you know, we discussed uh, Once the Warriors in our first season and how it mm. is a weirdly... You know, we both like it, but it is weirdly um, commercial in that sense. And um, Mm. Lee Tamahori used that to highlight, you know, what he was trying to this quite specific domestic abuse, uh, you know. um, Issue. uh, And also disenfranchised people uh, issue within the realms of a quite Hollywood-esque commercial vehicle. Uh, And then we watched something like The Dark Horse, which is kind of the antithesis to that, but it's still Mm. got a three-act sort of structure, which is universal to... the hollywood experience but you know it's a much more sort of uh open film and and this this film again i mean (laughs) i feel like i can't really talk about this because i don't have any expertise on it but it feels like uh uh an an insight into a rural uh maori story that you know uh, is pretty alien to most i imagine most cinema going new zealanders so, yeah, so and, it's, I, and it's I, don't, I
1: don't think you need to, I, I don't, I, you know, be, be kinder to yourself. I don't think you need to say, look, just because I'm not Māori living there, it, you know, I, what you're experiencing is something that feels authentic. Um, we trust that the, the writer in particular, who is Māori and has a huge track record, knows what she's doing and is well regarded for it. All of the actors are Māori. The performances, you know, the accents and everything are Māori. And so, yeah, I think that's a completely legitimate interpretation of the film. So on those grounds, absolutely recommendable. But I'd rather people... And I didn't rave about The Dark Horse, but I still think The Dark Horse is probably more recommendable than this <laughs> in terms of entertainment plus education, you know?
0: To, to go back to Andrew's point about about recommending specific films to represent a country, I would recommend Bad Taste because that's, that's New Zealand, just aliens <laughs> and... Weird guts everywhere, and people were jumping off mountains.
2: I don't know it's 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 <laughs> something being on you know not just the other side of the world currently, but being having sort of jumped from island to island, um, the last few years is that I sort of I want to give people like oh you want to know about where I'm from,
0: watch what's this these
2: yeah yeah and yeah and you'll sort of get an idea yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's why I think about it. In those sorts of terms, I think. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah. totally. And look, when I lived in London, I remember seeing Whale Rider during that time and finding it incredibly emotional, although that was a successful film. But also Number Two. I saw that in London and I loved every minute of it. And I came Mm. back here and apparently people didn't really rave about it, weren't that bothered. And I was like, what are you kidding me? So I think where one is in one's life, Mm. geographically and sort of, you know, in other ways... um, that like the fact that I'm a teacher and I teach kids predominantly from South Auckland means that my lens now is very much one of: are these kids on screen acting like kids in my classroom or in my playground? Um, and I had some issues with the extras in the Dark Horse because I thought that they had all gone a little bit jazz hands and a bit Hollywood in their in their <laughs> coaching, and I was like, that is not what. That is not what young um, Maori and Pacifica kids are like in my experience, you know, but that's another thing. But I do think the lens counts, right? One. And so, Andrew, you're living as a, an expat Kiwi. Um, so, yeah, um, it, it, it films will feel different probably as well as um, affect you differently.
0: And, and representation, like that's, you know, as, a, as an ethnic minority, that's something that's always important to me. I mean, mm. it's great, more and more um, of our faces reflected on screen are Maori and other ethnicities i mean in this season alone where our first film focused on a predominantly pakeha uh, i think an only pakeha family and then the second film was set, uh, was a uh, um predominantly uh, Pākehā and Asian aspect. I mean the, the main family in it is an Asian family. And now we've got a film I think that is only is only Mali people, right? Which is which is great. Like, you know, it's not there's yeah. not a there's not a there's not another Pākehā to be. Yeah I don't seen. think there's one white face on screen. <laughs> well yeah
1: Matt Sunderland no plays, Matt Sunderland, plays oh, um, Matt Sunderland plays a hunter yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. um, and balls them out about the eggs but he has like one line. That's right. Um, oh, so, that's right.
2: Yeah, I was totally on that guy's side because, man, <laughs> eggs do not go around the letterbox crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so so that's so, I mean that, that was kind of the, that was what I was trying to remember. Before I forgot what I was going to say the representation aspect is is great. So you know it's nice to be able to like people can you know, Jeff Murphy talked about it when he made Utu, talking about like you know the best audiences had for Utu were the Maori audiences because they went to see a film on a big screen because there were Maori people in the film, you know, like yeah, and it's yeah. A, it's a it's I mean it should it shouldn't be the case where like does that still happen? Someone should do statistics about what the representation numbers are now, but I suspect they're better. I think there must be. I've been
1: to I've been to a couple of um, screenings of um, Samoan and Pacifica films that have been self distributed um, and are usually at at Manico cinemas or maybe Sylvia Park, um, specifically for a Pacifica audience. And the audience is uproarious in their delight, and it really Mm. enhances and changes your, um, well, as I say, my palangi kind of lens. Um, of, of the films, so yeah yeah, yeah it's I mean, very it's cr- very important well, we do the it's same
2: I and mean, then sort of in a in a larger context we're seeing that happen right now um, as we're recording this with Black Panther that's right yeah. and how that is resonating astonishingly that's right. yeah. across yeah. the world you know people are finally seeing a superhero like them up on screen and yeah. it's it, it resonates
0: and they you know I mean it's I mean it's it's fantastic I mean like you know I barely ever see Indians, let alone New Zealand, Indians on screen. But, you know, I, you know I went to, I've been to India a couple of times and I went to the cinema in India and you're like, oh, well, going to India is weird because, shit, everyone here looks like me. This is odd. I've never had that experience before. Mm. I, live in, I live in Wellington, New Zealand. <laughs> you know, but then you go to the movies, everyone's excited. And then I come, I come back to New Zealand, I live in Wellington. I go to the embassy theatre, They sometimes they screen a Bollywood film and I'll go to this Bollywood film. And the audience mm. will just be Indian folk, you know, in the middle of, yeah. middle of Wellington, which is predominantly pretty white. And that's exciting. You know, I'm like, this is an exciting yeah. experience. So hopefully that this, the strength of water, I mean, I don't know whether this played to packed houses or not, but hopefully it had that sort of a, a feel in the cinema for certain audiences. Perhaps if there's a cinema in Ho- the Hokianga, they would have all packed it out, I imagine, to see a locally mm. shot film. So th- that's always a... Oh, yes, a, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's always that's always a nice feeling. So hopefully that, that was something mm. that happened. That was my main last point. So that, that was my last talking point. There we go. I know the, well, I think that's I think that's a good positive.
1: <laughs> note to note to, the, to, note to, end to end. On. Same. Great. Yeah.
0: Um so Sarah, where can they find you? Are, people, are you available for people to, to talk to on the internet? Is there something that is in your wheelhouse?
1: Sure. Um so I'm um, certainly I post my reviews um, for my own sake on Letterboxed. So uh, I am Lena Lamont L-I-N-A-L-A-M-O-N-T. Now, nice. Lena Lamont, as um, perceptive <laughs> listeners will know, is the um, beautiful hero, uh, heroine with the screechingly awful voice from Singing in the Rain. So um, so she's my WordPress moniker and my letterboxed moniker, and I'm Honey Hoxley on Twitter as well, even though I'm a bit slack on the Twitter front. But um, always keen to hear from people who have intelligent rights of reply um, for things. So yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Andrew, Andrew knows all about intelligent rights of reply. Andrew, don't you? Where, where can they find you?
2: <laughs>
0: on the on the Twitter still currently,
2: and the and the letterbox, and even the Instagram if you want to see some uh, random. Doodles and sketches uh, at uh, Andy James underscore
0: ink with a K. And you can find me on Letterboxd and uh, on Twitter at Rajiv Film, R A J E E V F I L M. You can find the the podcast at that N T Z O F. That's the N T Z podcast that you're listening to. Right now. Uh, please write and review. Yeah. It's really great if you can write and review wherever you listen to iPods or, I mean, iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it may be. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode six. This is pretty great. Thanks for being a great Jeez guest, Liz. Sarah. We really appreciate you telling on Thank all. you very much.
1: It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Totally awesome. Thanks. See you soon. Thank you. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye.